Welcome to Energy Unleashed, a unique podcast that kicks off each episode with an energy update of an actual client healing session from Suzanne Worthley, a full-time intuitive energy practitioner and holistic healer. Suzanne openly shares real client challenges and fears from health issues to personal relationships to ghosts and land hauntings to death and dying and more. Directly following each energy update, Suzanne invites co-host Kim Hess to join her in Unleash to present the human perspective, share real life experiences, and offer professional energy tactics to help you navigate life here on Earth and beyond. Hello and welcome everyone back to another episode of Energy Unleashed. It is Suzanne Worthley here with Kim Hess and we are going to start out this episode as we do everyone with an actual client session of mine and I talk about uh, what happens in an actual healing session and my my people, my, my clients give me the opportunity to share their story in an anonymous way which I think is so awesome and brave of them because we can always learn from one another. But this one I'm really excited about sharing because this guy didn't actually want to be a client. And I think (laughs) it's pretty funny. He is um, a husband to a pretty longtime client and daughter. So it's a mother daughter. They're both of my clients for very many years. And obviously, they do the work and you know, the conversations going on in the house and you got to imagine how that went down. You got to go do this work. You know, he's probably getting it from both sides. And so I don't know what prompted it, but he finally did give me a shout and booked a session. And I love when they're new people and they have that kind of like, you know, oh, I don't know about this. And they've <laughs> Wait, got- is, the, is the first line. Sorry. Yeah. Um, when you ask them, why did, why did you come to me today? My wife made me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, But, you know, um, truly in anything that I do, especially events and paranormal specifically, when I have a skeptic, that's my favorite because it's not that I prove, you know, I'm going to prove that you're, you know, I'm right and you're wrong. It's not about that. But I love the aha moments that these people have. And this particular guy, um, you know, I'm doing it remote right now. And so it's fun to see him on FaceTime. And he was a very big burly guy. He was a big dude. He had, you know, a lot of facial hair, big fun beard, big construction built, barrel chested kind of burly guy and reminded me of my brother. And I love this kind of a guy because much like my brother, they look really big and tough and you know, they're a big fat marshmallow inside. And so it was really kind of cute that immediately I had this heart space because he reminds me of my own bro. And, And it's like, yeah, you look like that, but your insides are gushy. And so he was talking to me about his upbringing because I knew nothing about him. He said that he grew up in a Christian science household. And I didn't even know what that meant because I'm a dork when it comes to dogma and religion. And I just grew up, you know, Catholic, Catholic and a little more Catholic. And so, boy, Kim and I are going to break that out, too, when we talk in a minute. And um, the Christian science household, though, he said, were very open in terms of belief systems. And so he didn't be, I guess, skeptical of the energy work so much, but he just didn't really know what he was getting into. So we talked a little bit about his dad, because I asked him right out of the gate, what's your deal with your dad? Because I follow lines of energy in the body. And I went directly to his father's side. And he said his father's energies were very similar to his. Yet he knew that his dad had some tough things about him. Um, He 
didn't really want to be completely like his dad, but he knows his energy is like his dad. So I think that there was some things that he feared in turning into his father. And, you know, we all do that to some extent. And we'll talk about these beliefs more with Kim in a minute here. But it was interesting because he said he was very similar and yet that bothered him. And the day that his dad died, he must have found out something more about his mother because he said he had a huge falling out with her after the father's death. And I did not go into a whole lot of that because he didn't offer it and that's fine. I just work with the energy of it. But he felt very tricked by his mother after the death of his father. And he felt very, you know, like offended. And it was very angry inside of him still. In fact, I think it was kind of interesting because he wasn't really prepared to go there right away in the conversation, because this is the energy that came forward right away. And I don't think that he even thought he had anything to resolve with all of this. And obviously he did because energetically it was really pulling inside of him. And he felt that he saw her as very false in all of his growing up. Whatever came to light after this death really gave him a window into the heart of what his mom, he thought now truly was. And he barely speaks to her. And so we're going to break this out and unleash that in a little bit too, because this is not necessarily a great way to hold the energy in adulthood either. This particular client at this point in his life is an empty nester. And so his children, I believe he has more than just the daughter that I see. I think he has another one. Um, but regardless, the gals are out of the house and he's an empty nester trying to figure out, you know, the next steps for he and his wife. And he said the reason why he acquiesced to the uh, appointment nudge was because he was having a really hard time moving forward. He said, I'm doing so much thinking and I'm not doing much doing. And I thought that that was kind of really interesting and at least really cool that he was aware of that. He's, he is a huge empath, meaning that he picks up a lot of people's energies and he knows this as well. Um, he's he, An empath will oftentimes be the guy or the woman that anybody comes to. We all get our problems, you know, told to them. Um, I, if I'm the empath, I'm going to fix everybody. I'm going to be there for everybody. I'm going to take on everybody's everything. And he knows that he was doing this in a grand way. However, when I started working with him, I said that he actually is also empathing in a bigger way that he wasn't even aware of that existed in a collective way, in a collective way in one specific realm called the elemental kingdom. And when I started to talk about that, the face was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And so this was a huge part of his actual healing session. And we're going to break this out with Kim in a lot um, of ways here, because many times empaths will go into certain specific areas within our, um, our actual uh, reality, planes of existence. And this particular person was a second dimensional empath, meaning he pulls a lot of energy from the plant and animal kingdom. And this was super funny because what came to light in his actual energy session really brought forward a validation that this is the place and space that he pulls these collective energies from. His energy was corded from the left shoulder to the right leg. And I, when I scanned him, uh, we did not talk specifically about this actual pain, but afterwards, when I said you had specific corded energy from your left shoulder to your right leg, and he said, that's so funny because I am literally always in pain on my left shoulder. And afterwards, the pain was completely gone. The left shoulder 
is his self-care side where he carries all the females on his back. He carries the wife, he carries the daughters, he carries everybody's in a compassionate way, but the right leg directly attaches to this father belief system because our male energy is on the right, female is on the left. And so he had this corded crisscross energy that was actually affecting real live physical pain. And after the work, it was really completely gone. And he was pretty astounded about that because um, no one really understands that not no one, but a lot of people don't understand that we carry these things in our templates of our aura. And when we remove the energy, the pain can shift. He also had a very extensive C shape to his body. And as a practitioner, I see this quite often when someone grows up with a lot of shame and the head itself will move forward and drop down. Like my chin drops down into my, you know, neck area and I, and I have a roundedness to my head. If this shame has been apparent for quite a long time in the client's life, I will see it even extend down into the whole entire template of the human body, which means it almost is shaped like a C shape, meaning my my guts are punched in, my shoulders hunch, my head goes down, and I curl up almost like a C. The tighter the C shape, the older the messaging is. And if it is extremely almost fetal, this will tell me oftentimes that the shame is already anchored in utero. And this wasn't quite the case with him. He wasn't in utero um, shame, but it was pretty significant, which was really affecting the upper shoulders and the lower back. And I love the fact that he's like, yeah, but I'm a construction guy and I move stuff all day and that's why my shoulders hurt and my back hurts. And it's like, yeah, it is. But you also have this C shape, which is indicative of somebody that is holding really old, old, old beliefs. And so that's always a kind of a funny thing to let them know is part of the energy work and oftentimes can be released quite significantly or quickly. And that was the case with this guy. So when we did the energy work, it was really fun for me because a lot of times people have of um, totems or really interesting guides come in. And I made a deal with myself years ago to give the client all of the information and, you know, as best I can. And even though it might sound silly or ridiculous to them, because it may or may not make sense. And when this one started, the immediate totem that came in was a centaur, which is half man, half horse. And I'm thinking, oh, great, this is going to be great. Tell this big burly construction guy that he's got a centaur working with him. But I I went in and it was very interesting because the centaur, we're going to talk about this more with Kim, it, the, the totems are very significant for this guy. The centaur is half man, half horse. Which half is driving your life? You know, which half of you is driving your life? And remember, he said... I am thinking, 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 but I'm not doing, doing, doing. So this is very interesting. Um, he also had Pan come flying in to his actual session in a very dramatic way. Pan is from the fairy kingdom, and we know that that is kind of the one that is in charge of the woods. And the fairy elemental comes from that 2D plane of existence or realm again. And we're going to talk about this with Kim when we unleash this all a little bit. Um, this is a very joyous actual totem. This is about courage. This is about really big things in life, big adventures, going into things, you know, with unabashed joy of taking steps forward. And again, he was very stuck. So when this totem comes in, it completely offers the energy of moving forward. So I thought that that was super funny. And I 
um, when, when I got to tell, we got to talk about this part with Kim too, because it's so funny because Kim does Oracle cards. And when I did this session and Pan comes in, I pull cards at the end of the session for more information. And I took the fairy deck specifically out and I didn't even have it out. And the freaking pan card came flying out of the deck. I mean, it was so crazy. And so, so that was really funny. Um, and then I said, I heard in your session significantly that you need to have a vision quest. You need to go on some semblance of a journey. You need to go on a retreated kind of outward journey. And he almost died because he told me that is so bizarre that you're saying that because I've been telling my wife that I need to go somewhere. And she keeps thinking, I'm trying to leave the house and leave my marriage. And it's not about that. He said, that's not what I'm saying. And I don't want to leave the family. I just think I need to go somewhere. And she's been very confused. And so we're going to talk about the vision quest a little more in a minute here too. And then the last thing that I got in his session was the merman. And this is where we're really going to go with Kim, because uh, this particular gentleman has a very big calling to the water. And I think that that's a really fun part to this story, too, because we talked much about what that means and and how that can really help in his healing. And so it's going to be fun for us to talk with Kim here because Kim also um, is is the water baby. And I mean, I've known you for many years now. And when you first came to me, you didn't know anything about much less energy work, but certainly not anything about collective empathing energies, much less being a mermaid. So right. None of the above. And I think when you said you, you have the, you, you are a mermaid. Um, I think I left your session thinking, wow, I have no idea what just happened to me. Right. That but, woman's insane and I right. actually paid her. Right. Um, I don't know what's, yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> right. So the, the I want to kind of start, I think I do want to start with this because this is an important piece of you. And, you know, people do not first and foremost even understand they're an empath and you're that also. And so an empath really means I can have empathy for somebody. I can hold space for somebody. I can I can understand your pain or or know your sadness, but I can try my best to step in your shoes, which of course I never really get to fully do. But an empath means that I'm going to fix you. I'm going to take it from you. I don't want you to be sad, so I'm going to be sad. So then I become sad and then I become sad for real and it gets to be a very dangerous pattern of the way that we move our energy. And I think that you have learned a lot. I want to go empath first. I think you've learned a lot in the years of working together that how much of a detriment that is. Yeah, I would say um, I had no idea that I was an empath for all of my life. Yeah. You know, I'm, I would always take on other people's emotions in a room or someone who was close to me and then try to figure out how to fix them. And, um, one of my favorite things you say is I would go into a funeral and I wouldn't oh even my God, really I go know. Oh my God, go to a funeral room, I'm just sobbing and it's like, what? <laughs> nobody sits by me. You know, I, and you I'm don't even know with... the person. It's like, I just, I was just walking by. <laughs> Seriously, my parents are like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, I have no idea. I just, I can't, you know, it was hard to control. And um, it's so much better now, you know, but um, as somebody close to me, of course, that's a little bit of a different story. But um, anyway, I I think my first experience of empathing anything um, was in Peru. Well, I was just going to get to that because that's when you actually learned about the land. Oh, my gosh. I was overwhelmed by the emotions of Mother Earth, Gaia. 
And I had no idea. So you went on my tour approximately five years ago already with me, I think, right? Yeah. Almost five. five. Six years yeah. ago, yeah. So, yeah, I forgot the whole COVID year just went by. Whoosh. So almost right? six. You know, <laughs> I keep, keep forgetting that. that. Year, I know. Um, so, yeah. And when, when you were actually at the beginning stages of your journey, too, and weren't really quite aware of the fact that you empath humans, much less land. And I remember vividly... Um, the end of that particular tour, we were doing a lot of interviews to kind of uh, assist my website for marketing materials, etc. And we videotaped you. And I remember when you literally said the land and as you said it, you just burst out crying because the land was so beautiful. And you felt that land more than anybody on that entire tour. And I remember your face was just like, what is happening? It was so um, wondrous, but also a little scary. Oh, overwhelming. Sure. There's so many emotions that come through your being, you know, around right. the land or around animals or around water, you know, and, and, um, I never knew what that was. Um, I had never gone to that extent of feeling right. that out of the earth before. And it was, um, it is scary. It was because it's not all good. Right? No, I mean, it's not. Especially in Peru for criminy. I mean, you oh. had the whole entire Inca nation. You oh, know, I'll never gosh. forget the first time I put my hand on Saxe Woman's, um, you know, big stone structure. And immediately I got a download of all the child sacrifices for criminy. And that was terrifying. So what we don't understand as humans is that we are designed to be sentient. Our bodies are designed mm-hmm. to be sentient, meaning feeling beings. And most all of us are uneducated on the levels of that ability. And then we are also unaware or ignorant to the fact that I may indeed be a psychic sensitive empath, meaning I'm going to touch that rock and I'm going to get all the information and then I'm going to own it and feel it. And so these are really uh, overwhelming, igniting, um, you know, circuitry that happens Mm -hmm. in our body. And when we don't have any context to work with... Mm. We're just I, like fried. I had no idea. And so when you talk about, um, I, while I have a huge connection to land and I love like going to the mountains, doing yep. whatever with trees, all of it, but, but water for me, um, you know, the mermaid part of me is, um, I am drawn to the water for sure. And it's not that I, there's a fear. There was always a little bit of fear of the water. Um, but there was such a connection for me that, power that comes in the waves coming in and the feel of the water digging my feet into the sand and going going in and this is i want to jump in here the the reason why the fear is there too and why we say you're a mermaid so obviously kim isn't sitting here with you know shells on her (laughs) shell bra i I could be ariel if you'd like me to yeah (laughs) so but the essence of the yearn the want the knowing excuse me the um okay Oftentimes you will find, uh, in fact, did you uh, have a, like a obsession with mermaids when you were a kid? Because oftentimes you will obsess about the thing. Like, you know, I, I don't know that it was, mer- I was interested in mermaids. Okay. I didn't have an obsession. So sometimes you have massive obsession as a kid too. And so yeah. sometimes people will go, oh my God, I thought it was a mermaid, you know? You know what's funny <laughs> though, is I, our youngest daughter, yeah. um, Ariel, was the movie, the Disney movie that was out at that time. Right. Or the, whatever the little mermaid little mermaid and um i actually sat there and thought maybe i should name this baby ariel yeah. you know at one point and i don't know i was like and 
even my kids were like, Mom, get what off. are you thinking? <laughs> <Get off. laughs> like, what is that? Turn me into a Disney character. <laughs> well, and sometimes we will be, like I said, really drawn to it as a child. Other times we will just be mm-hmm. knowing I'm drawn to the water. But the mermaid, the reason you have a sense of fear also is, is because the mermaid is actually a water element with a little tinge of land in it, meaning mm-hmm. I don't want to go into the depths of the dark of the water. That's There's, there's water babies, we call mm-hmm. them that in my world, that like to go into the depths of the water. I'm going to go all the way down into the dark. I'm going to go under the coral. I'm going to go really deep. And then the mermaid's like, you know, I'm just going to kind of stay on the rock. I'm going to put my toe in. I'm going to sunbathe a little bit. Yep, get a little sun. And so that is a combination Mm -hmm. water baby. And so when we are aware of these attachments to that realm or that energy field it's important for us if we choose to do this work is to understand that this is a fuel for me this is my primary fuel Mm -hmm. it's like going to the gas pump and taking the unleaded or the premium unleaded Mm -hmm. you're when you find the true fuel that's your your thing that's like premium unleaded fuel for you so the joy factor that comes from working with it is exponentially bigger and grows as you get stronger in this knowing it gets bigger mm-hmm. bigger bigger and this is very important for your field if you truly even want to believe well, in any of this I'm and again serious. you don't have I to mean, believe in any of this but i mean you know but you know i i um after going to peru you know i i started to feel these different emotions but yes. when we go to hawaii quite often you know several times or yearly with my in-laws um, we're very blessed to be able to do that with yeah. them. And and I'm very when, jealous every I know, year. Right? It's not, I'm really not pictures. bragging, but I'm bragging. Okay. <laughs> but um, we stay right on the ocean in Maui, and it's situated at the whale um, sanctuary. So the, the whales come down oh, from I didn't Alaska. know it was the whale sanctuary. I, I always thought you were just really lucky. <laughs> no, well, it, I mean, that all, all around the Hawaiian Islands, yeah. there are whales. And what happens is the whales, um, they feed up in Alaska. Okay. And then they come down to Hawaii. They don't eat the whole time that they're in Hawaii. They have their babies. So they mate, they have their babies, and, and then they go back up to Hawaii, um, Alaska and eat again. That's so So weird. they lose tons of weight like seriously um while they're there and but anyway i didn't like there's a my mother-in-law always teases that oh my gosh as soon as you left the whales quit jumping and they weren't out in front anymore we couldn't see them with binoculars or whatever because they resonate to you they resonate to me so i would go out in the morning and sit on i had this um, lava rock that i would sit on and put my feet in the water and i would meditate um eyes open meditation right and um I would, the whales would honestly, you know, jump, come around. I would feel, but it wasn't even just Maybe they can jump because they're skinnier. You're right. Well, you said, you said. I wish I could go to Hawaii and lose all that weight. I don't know. So like you're the whale whisperer. Are you invoking them? Meaning are you drawing them in? Are you asking them to come forward? I talk to them for sure. And what has happened while I, you know, over the last four years or so is, um, I would actually swim with the whales in my dreams at night. Cool. And it was like I was a whale, like swimming with the whales and the communication. And one of the most, the last time I was in Hawaii, we didn't go this year because of um, COVID, of course, but um, the last time I was in Hawaii, the first day that I got there, um, I was walking on the beach and a guy was just standing and staring at the water. And I'm like, what are you staring at? And there's a lot of people, kind of people around and he goes, the whales are amazing right now. If you can go into the water, just go into the water. And 
I went into the water and listened, and the whales were talking. The babies. You did, with the did moms, you go under the water with your head? You with mean? my head, so I okay. just floated. Okay, okay. Like my face out, floated in the water. Cool. And you can totally hear the whales chattering, and I sobbed. Will I you was make just a, sobbing. Will you make a whale sound. Well, it's kind of. I don't know. If I, I mean, is it like, whoa. like? Well, there is. is there's it? deep, like, like okay. you know, kind of. And then there's the like. Oh, cool. It's very. I thought that was sonic, the dolphin. Okay. Sonic sounding. Yeah. A little bit. Um, well, you know, they claim that the whales carry the Akashic records for the whole entire planet. Right. Right. Yeah. So they the Akashic records for anybody listening that doesn't know is basically the records of our creational planet itself and they claim that their sound abilities like that are just sharing all that information so how cool is that oh it's amazing and um the previous year we had had our whole family with and we could all hear the whales in the water and my kids to this i mean to the they're adult kids i mean they're 30 to 37 and they will still talk about how amazing it was to lay in that water and listen to the whales Okay, so let's talk about, because this poor client, I told him he was a merman, and of course, that's what a construction worker wants to hear, right? I mean, he's looking at me like, whatever, lady. However, what was super funny is he uh, said, okay, this is so weird that you're telling me this, because I was having a beer with my buddy last night, and I, out of the blue, straight up said, I think I'm supposed to go down and be with the water. And his buddy's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> gotta admit, you know, you got to have that visual, right? right? And he goes, I think I'm supposed to go down to the ocean and I don't know what I'm even saying. And this is so funny because like I said, his wife has been thinking, are you having a midlife crisis? Right. You know, why can't you just get the red Mustang? What do you mean you're supposed to be going somewhere? And this poor dude is getting completely, you know, downloaded with information of the water is calling you. You're supposed to be going and doing something. And he, when I literally gave him this information, it was like the green light to not think he was nuts. Mm-hmm. And this is part of the wonderful things about my work is to be able to go, no, this is a calling from the actual realm the second realm of the plant and animal kingdom Mm -hmm. is calling you to do your work so you now understand that concept more Mm -hmm. and you now go to hawaii with full knowing that you do work so can you help anybody else here and then i'll tell how mine works but can you tell how how it works for you to connect and then do the work i well one i didn't quite understand that as I would lay, like I said, I laid in the water and sobbed or I put my feet in the water and I would be so, so sad. You talked about that a little bit earlier. And what I didn't realize is that, you know, there is a lot of sadness that the water holds. It's, there's memory, not only the animals, but the actual water. And so when, um, you know, I would, I would sit and I would actually turn this into prayer and, um, pray for the water and to move it through and to release the sadness, you know, from the water through me as a vessel. And see, and, this is so big. And this is why, mm-hmm. seriously, you were one of my favorite clients from the get-go because you were a prayer, but you didn't know what prayer was. You know, right. a lot of us grow up, our Father who art in heaven, I'm not knocking that if you say it, but um, that's all fine. But those are just kind of automated words that we're told to say. When you put your emotion into the realm and mm-hmm. you use your meat body to do it, and then you actually allow it to move through mm-hmm. you as a vessel. That to me is what prayer is. Oh my gosh. And it's, this is so important. It's so big. Yeah. It is so, um, of course, I mean, it, it's emotional, you know, but at the same time, it's just, there's this wondrous joy, 
you know, in, in that process as it, as it happens. And so I want people to try to understand again, when I work with somebody and I tell them when you find your element, especially water babies, it's important to know that our water itself holds memory. It holds emotion. Our planet Mm -hmm. holds it. Our rocks hold it. Our trees hold it. Our air holds it. Everything holds it. But if we're talking about water, this will remember um, the Exxon oil dump. It will remember when all the fish were hurting. It will remember the horror that we do to our, you know, um, fish population for food. It will remember the spearing and the violence and the, you know, all well, you know what the- comes to mind for me hmm. was war. Think about Pearl Harbor. Think oh, about all the training that happened in the, the base, the naval base. Ew, I never and, even thought and about that. And all of that. That came to me during some of this because right across from where we were staying, there's a kind of a deserted, it's not, there's a few places on it, but they used to actually do military Ew, training. I never thought about that whole level. That is even horrible. Right, right. Oh. You know, and it, it was. It was like a tragic mm-hmm. and sad mm-hmm. Um, kind of emotion. So but. now think of it this way, everybody that's listening, if you choose, in terms of this will hold a template in the water. It's almost like a grid pattern or a blueprint. And so when we have any kind of an action, reaction, something happening, the information will be captured or caught in there unless it is um, activated, moved, changed, whatever. And so when we have repeat stories of sadness, repeat stories of horror, these are all available to our body unbeknownst to us. Mm-hmm. So we can be sitting on the water in a boat. We can, we don't even have to buy, be the way, be by the water. By well, I want to talk about that yeah. because, not, because we couldn't go to Hawaii this year. Yeah. Um, I really had, like, I was sad about not going and um, while well, I kidded with my mother-in-law, I'm like, what are the whales going to do? I'm not there this year. You know, like <laughs> that's my thing. But anyway, the whale whisperer. Get, right. And so what I did though, is I had some sand and I had some shells and different things from Hawaii that I bought, brought back right from that spot where right. I sit. And, um, just a couple of things. And I used the sand and I used the shells and I did, um, whale sounds for meditation. Cool. And during that meditation, a whale, big whale eye came into my into your third into eye my third eye meditation cool. and like I had that connection and it just made me feel so much better because I wasn't there I could still be there and that's through, telepathy I mean right. we can transport and we can out of body experience and these are all skills that you didn't even know existed only a short what oh. six years ago yeah and it, even less I mean right it and took me a while. And so this is why it's important if listeners want to understand this is about play. This is about fake it till you make it. This is about pretend. Mm-hmm. This is about I am going to watch Ariel with my kid because part of the reason you're forcing your child to become Ariel is because this is an activation for you which is in your cell structure that remembers other lifetimes when this was normal. So we've talked oftentimes with Kim about being, you know, Lemurian and Atlantean and very, most water babies or mermaid people or merman people have been very, most likely um, very involved in the lifetimes of Lemuria and Atlantis because this was such a critical part to that civilization and working with the water energies, the crystals within it, the animals within it, um, working with the animal kingdom to kind of even like experiment and, and merge, you know. So these are all very, very 
strong memories that come through you when you do meditative practices and when you work with the water. This is also something I want to though say can be very difficult because you can also pull up what we call an Armageddon program, right. meaning I can also reboot the feeling of the horror of the fall of Atlantis or, you know, the destruction of Lemuria. And mm-hmm. so we need to be very attuned to our own body when we're doing this work to say, is this mine? Is this not mine? Yeah, and there was a point in my healing with you that um, the Atlantean thing definitely came up. It also includes my daughters. Yep. I think we were together in Atlantis. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it's such an interesting relationship that way. And um, But you gave me a book to read about Atlantis. And once I read that book, all of a sudden it started to really open for me more about the water and what that meant for me Um, because I had no idea. I knew I'd heard it. But I've never researched or read anything about Atlantis to really understand and what's what some of that's about. Important to note too is if you're listening and you could give two shakes about the water. I I'm not a water baby. I mm-hmm. don't do the water at all. That isn't my thing. And and it doesn't make anybody cooler or better when they do a thing or not a thing. We all have a different frequency that we resonate to again for our prime fuel. So if my prime or premium fuel is water great you will find yourself more along the lines of what kim's talking about but it might also be earth it might also be fire it might my air it might be a combination thereof and even in earth we've got lots of remember when the water baby can go from the deep down one to the mermaid it has a little bit of earth it has a little Mm -hmm. bit of air it has a little bit of sun so we are combinations of these fuel but it's important for us to find in my opinion the one that rings your bell the best the one that makes you the most happy yeah and i definitely have the combination yeah I mean standing on top of a mountain in Montana is the most you know that's one of those experiences well think about Peru I mean just the land itself you just feel it and this is why the mermaid always sits on the rock more so than Mm -hmm. or splashes in the you know harbor so these are really great elements that we can learn from and totems are very important and this poor guy again without any I don't know how much they even talk about all this stuff in the household because the wife and the daughter are very comfortable with it, but I'm sure he's been thinking they're nuts for the last God knows how many years. And then I throw down that, oh, by the way, you have all these totems and you're a centaur, you know, not only are you a mermaid, but you're also a centaur. Now think of this. These are half and halves. I'm a half man and I'm a half fish. I'm a half, you know, I'm a half, what is a centaur? It's a, it's a, the centaur is the horse. Horse, the man, thank right? you. Yeah. I was having a moment. Yeah. Um, yeah, so half horse, half man. And so half and half, half and half. Pan is half and half. He's got the two little hoofed feet on the bottom, and then he's the guy in the top. So all three of these actual totems that came in super strong for this guy are half and half. And what is his dilemma for the actual appointment? I'm stuck. I can't move forward. I think about stuff, but I don't do it. I'm usually a doer and not a thinker and blah, blah, blah. So the the what cracks me up about my work is you can't make this stuff up. It's mm-hmm. crazy. And so who comes in? The actual totems that show up as half and half. Mm-hmm. And so the centaur is very, very powerful too. So this shows him that it isn't just the water. The centaur is more into the plant and animal kingdom in terms of the forest. Mm-hmm. 
but we're not necessarily into the root system. We're not way down deep. So if we're talking about totems for that level in the 2D forest, see it's levels and levels within the levels. So this gets a little tricky. So yes, I'm 2D and yes, I'm still in the forest, but now I'm either way up high where the centaur is running or I'm really down into the root system. And now I'm actually working with the gnomes and I'm working with the dwarfs. And so there's levels within the levels, which always makes me giggle because this just means there's so much help out there. So when we find the centaur, this is okay. Now I'm going to recognize maybe I can't get to the water, but I also know that the trees are my friends. Mm -hmm. I can be in the woods. I can go hunting for the weekend. And he again would be going, oh my God, that's why I feel so good when I go up north, you know? Mm -hmm. And people are always thinking that they just feel good when they go up north or they go to Hawaii or whatever, because I'm on vacation. You are on vacation, but you're also activating and working with the realm that is your primary. You know, when you said centaur, um, I didn't, uh, this kind of popped into my head was um, his job is being a workhorse. Oh, that's and interesting. And so as a man, he's stuck because he's, you know, I mean, he's supported his family. He's done all of these things, you know, and he physically is a workhorse. That's on the fascinating. Job. I may so have then, to call him back and tell him that too. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> so then the man part of it is how do I find the magical? How do I connect with, right. with earth? And how do I... Um, where and do especially because he's be? empty nester, perfect, perfect, yeah. you know, um, perspective on this because I'm an empty nester and how do I keep working differently and I don't have to work the same anymore. And this mm-hmm. is really, that's a very, very interesting perspective. Which is kind of goes back to, is he going through a midlife crisis? Well, maybe he's no, I going think through he, I think a transition, is. Yeah. right? Of, I don't think the midlife crisis is even a fair word. And we've coined that for years because it's the excuse for us to do stupid stuff. Well, women do it too. I'm but sorry. It but it isn't stupid stuff. It's yeah. like all of a sudden it's a sense of, wait a minute, I deserve freedom. Yeah. And, you know, we've turned it into buying a red Corvette or, you know, taking off and leaving my whole family, you know, because I'm going to go jet setting around the world. And it doesn't necessarily have to be anything other than quiet time Mm -hmm. to be able to say, I am in a place of alignment where I can get a different perspective on my truth and my integrity. You know, this is what really happens. But most of us don't first and foremost, even know that that exists. Well, because you're do, 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 busy, busy, busy. And then all of a sudden it's like, who am I? Yeah. What's my purpose here? And you know, is this the rest of my life? So many people that I work with when they hit that Mm -hmm. are, you know, it's almost shame on us. And I hope these kinds of podcasts get out to people to give your, your, I don't know. uh, It's like, everyone seeks approval and that's not the right word, but give yourself an approval to, Take selfish time now before right. that you get to the place of the end. Because your, your boss at work is not going to tell you, hey, yeah, take some time, go sit by the water. And nobody's going to say, oh, <laughs> wait until you're an empty nester or you're retired because that's usually when I have the heart attack and die because you don't exactly. know what to do. All the health issues. I can't <laughs> like hike to the top of this mountain anymore because right? my knees won't do it. Now I that mean, I'm 65, I can't get up Machu Picchu <laughs> if I try. You know, that, I hope that's not the case. But, you know, I mean, seriously, take the time now. Mm-hmm. And you should isn't the greatest word. We don't really use that. But, you know, you should, if you choose, to examine that stuff when you're 30 and when you're 20, not when you're retired. So these are really important things because many people will get to that. Oh, my kids are all gone now and I'm stuck with that spouse and I don't even know who he or she is, but I don't even know who I am. Right. And this is, I think, part of it. But I think it's so adorable that this 
push in him was really quite significant and it was confusing his spouse, which I think is so cute because, you know, he didn't know what that meant. And most people don't give themselves the opportunity to have a journey. Right. You know, I mean, your journey to Peru changed your whole perspective on life. Whole perspective. Yeah. And and it's hard to explain to people what that all meant, but um, it was interesting to see my friends and family after coming back from oh, Peru. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, um, because... We call that re-entering. Re-entering, right. And my husband, I do you remember, he yeah. said, um, whatever you do, I'm so glad you're doing this trip, but please don't change. <laughs> I just remember telling you on the bus, the whole bus is laughing hysterically, like, yep. yeah, that already happened. <laughs> so, yep. And it was all for good. It, it wasn't... It, it, it started to change my being instead of um, feeling responsible for everything and everybody and all outcomes mm-hmm. to stepping back and really looking at what is what does this look like going and, forward. And Pan, the other mm-hmm. one that popped in, and it makes me laugh because I get such strong visuals sometimes when I'm working, and I'm like, oh my God, I think that's Pan. <laughs> and I mean, I don't work with that. So the, who, whoever the client is brings in the totem. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't order up the totem. So for me, it's sometimes really fun as a practitioner to be able to go, what the hell is that that I'm looking at in my mind's eye? And then I'm like, oh my God, because you know I've seen enough different visuals, obviously, of Pan. But one of my favorite decks that I work with was is Brian. Ryan Froud and he has the fairy deck and it is probably one of my favorite decks to help people look at um, you know the different visuals of what those kinds of inner earth energies and entities can look like and again um, I'm gonna what is the actual name of that deck I'm gonna grab that in a second here um, but uh, it's important for us to know that they're here but they're not here. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah. Well, but and they're coming in for a reason because when you're busy working and taking care of your family and you're doing the day-to-day, where's the magic? Where's the wonder? And this is what the fairy kingdom is about. His mm-hmm. deck is literally called the Heart of Fairy or Oracle. And I love how he spells fairy all the time because, you know, the typical does is F-A-I-R-Y. Mm-hmm. And I love the mystical always spelling as F-A-E-R-I-E. And I love that even in and of itself. And Brian Froud, F-R-O-U-D. And his wife, Wendy, does the work with him. And he has several... Um, pressed fairy books and calendars and but this particular oracle deck is so important because we will see oftentimes the people that work with the second dimension will have visualizations or they have dream states or they have memories of and these little creatures and and a lot of times they think that they're just having a weird dream or they you know what is that well we don't technically see them in this realm because they're in what we would call the 2d realm and we humans reside in what we call 3d realm so we're in 3d we're in height space you know width height space seasons time etc things are knock knock real you know the 2d realm is underneath that so it's a different frequency it's a lower frequency so even if the fairy exists we can't necessarily see it and touch it and feel Mm -hmm. it but it doesn't mean that it isn't there and the power isn't there below that is the 1d realm which is the forces of nature itself and we were talking about how that collective energy like the water can can affect you Mm -hmm. so if the water can affect you the fairy realm can affect you. And the fairy realm has to do with all of the realms. That 2D realm has to do with, like I said, maybe it's a fairy, maybe it's Pan, maybe it's a gnome, and it doesn't mean the Travelocity one. You know, <laughs> uh, maybe it's an actual, um, 
the the little um dwarfs and that doesn't mean the snow white ones you know the these are creatures that are very much into the realm of the forest we can have literally green man is the face in the tree Mm -hmm. itself we can work with those energies in the forest and we can start to see that we call it the deva come out of the actual thing itself it's a frequency do you remember in peru when we were driving the first um, time on the bus and i told all of you to stare at the mountain with soft eyes meaning relax your eyes and that you can see all the faces in the mountains do you remember that oh oh, yeah 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 i did i remember looking at you and saying does anybody else see all the faces like the whole trip? Yeah. You Everywhere think, you look, there you was a face. You think you're nuts at first and then you're like, oh, this stuff's real. But even now, like think about um, Instagram. I get beautiful. There's some photographers that I follow mm-hmm. and they'll send stuff and I see faces yeah. in whatever they're taking pictures That's of. That's because you attach to that realm and you can yeah. see it. So we can train ourselves, even if like say I'm air or I'm fire. I can train myself to get down to that plant and animal kingdom. I'm cosmic. I'm the one that goes off planet. I'm the one that sees the aliens and the light people. But I can, with my psychic abilities, if I choose, train myself to go down the ladder. And it isn't a value system of up and down. Down doesn't mean dumb down. It is just a different frequency. So I can turn the knob to go down into the 2D realm and actually see the fairy if I train myself. So we we will be able to actually see these. But when Pan came through, I thought it was so interesting because I'm like, oh my gosh, that's literally Pan. And again, half hoof, half not. Mm-hmm. And it always makes me kind of think of um, um, Peter Pan too, yeah. you know, and um, the joy factor. But I did not specifically know what Pan was. So I ran over and I got the fraud deck <laughs> before I called the dude back. And I did a quick shuffle on the deck. And this card literally, I'm telling you, Kim, that sucker <laughs> flew out of the deck and it landed on the desk face up. And I laughed my ass off because how could you make that up? I'm I like, love when that happens. And you, you know. And Just you know, know how a, you know yeah. if you do oracle decks that cards pop. They do. Yes. And it's crazy how they pop. <laughs> and I didn't even get to shuffle the thing and the thing flew out. And I laughed my ass off going, oh, my God, this guy's going to think I'm nuts. <laughs> I love it. And then I literally read the actual, you know, card page of Pan. I know a little bit about it, but it's not my thing. So I had to read, read. And then sure enough, big adventure, joyously go, take steps forward. I mean, it was every single thing this guy is challenged with. And it validated, yes, you got to go and figure your stuff out on some journey. And I was dying. And I love that I gave him the green light to go on a vacation, you know, in his mind. And I'm like, no. Well, it's great. It's great for him. He goes right? back to his wife. It's like, Suzanne, Suzanne. Said I should go to the water. Sam said I should go to Florida. (laughs) Yep. Yep. So, but I think that these are really important things for us to be able to know. Totems can be very strong Mm -hmm. and totems can be very, very helpful in terms of giving us strength and power. I do not, like I said, do a whole lot of water was very hard for me. I mean, Mm -hmm. I am not a water baby and I actually chose to study through the water element because I didn't like water. It was my least out of the four elements. And again, within each element, there's different elements within the elements. So again, when I even started with water, I listened to the whale sounds and it made me just go, I don't even know if I like this. I don't, I couldn't connect to anything. It made me almost uncomfortable. And it took, I don't know how many months for me to work with the water and, and literally intentionally be in the shower or the bathtub. And ask for connection and ask for guidance. It's very difficult for me to work with the water. So then I was wondering, oh, do you 
have huge Armageddon programs from Lemuria and Atlantis. Mm -hmm. Maybe you were the one that died in Atlantis. And I didn't. I know I didn't. I just didn't connect with it. It was like I got nothing. Is that because you're just more um, cosmic? I don't think that, in in my opinion, electric. Well, we know we've talked about this before. In my own personal opinion, I don't think I've been in an Earth body before. I don't think I have been on this planet in terms of being an actual Earth meat and bone human body existence, and so therefore, I have no memories. I can I can get the information on Atlantis and Lemuria by going up to what we call those Akashic records. Mm -hmm. I can glean the information by reading the record, but I don't have the connection in my meat body that goes, "Yep." That's yours to know. Mine's more like mm-hmm. that's yours to observe. Yeah. Even in Peru, when we went to Peru the first time, I'll never forget we were in Oyente Tambo, which is the town oh, prior. My favorite place. One of my favorites too. And huge, gorgeous, you know, um, structures and very, very high up structures. And I remember another attendee literally hitting the ground sobbing going I've been here I've been here I've been here my body knows I've been here Mm -hmm. and I'm like oh my god that's freaking awesome you know I mean that's cool stuff to be able Mm -hmm. to embody that memory to that extent as long as it's balanced and you're okay with Mm -hmm. it so we make our way up to the top of that freaking thing a gazillion steps later where I thought I was gonna have a heart attack right and you're gagging for breath as all the Peruvians are (laughs) zipping by you because they all can breathe and we Americans are a bunch of dorks that can't even get up the stairs and we're you know making our way up and up and up and up and up and all the way to the top where our guide took us for our uh, other training and sat there and all of a sudden my head went oh now I remember this spot and I have done this in umpteen places Mm -hmm. because the visual for me is always being the cosmic perspective looking down Mm -hmm. my memories from so many places and this has happened in so many spots for me now that I'm aware of it is the perspective of oh I see this as the observer off into another cosmic realm looking down into this earth and then I have full memory recall that is so amazing it's so weird right So I think that's why I didn't connect with the water so mm-hmm. much. And I did connect more with the, um, I don't know, the structures, because I believe if I actually have, which I believe, again, take it if it resonates, toss it if it doesn't. Um, I have many, many lifetimes of being off planet, being another alien race and mm-hmm. coming to this planet working with the ancients at the sacred sites. So the sacred sites, I remember from the perspective of coming in from mm-hmm. out far And so for me, it's easier to do it that way. So one of the actual forces of nature that's my place, my premium fuel, my heightened one, Mm -hmm. is obviously the cosmos and the stars and the fire. So I can work fire. Fire is also the element of the literal Milky Way, the um, whatever, the star systems, the planetary systems. Mm -hmm. That is the same as if I scry into a fire at the bonfire at the cabin. That's still the fire realm. And so... I can do fire scrying and feel really good at a bonfire. Like I'm the one that everybody goes to bed and I still stay out. And then I connect the stars remembering down to the fire, remembering that kind of a thing. So that's my primary. And then my secondary, or these are almost neck and neck, is the air realm. Mm -hmm. And so the air realm for me when I get a totem is the eagle. 
And so the eagle um, happens to be, the bald eagle at the cabin happens to be my thing. So like when you have the whales come, Mm -hmm. my neighbors at the cabin are very well aware that when I come, the eagles come. And when I'm coming to the cabin, the eagles are starting to show up. So I don't even have to tell my neighbors that we're coming and I get the text. I get it that you're on the way because they're circling the cabin. (laughs) The eagles are circling. (laughs) The eagles landed. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The eagle has landed. So those are, those are fun things for me. And I can invoke, um, Mm -hmm. like you, I will stand at the edge of the dock and I will invoke the eagles. And it doesn't happen every time, but quite often it does, Mm -hmm. where I will put my hands out and invoke and then they'll come. Another really cool eagle thing quickly was I was laying on the dock, just literally getting sunning myself, suntanning, if you want to say that. Um, And eyes closed, right? Mm -hmm. And I got this really weird... um, caw of a bird like this really loud maybe it was even a loon um the really really loud other bird call that was so loud and so close that I popped my eyes open because it was like what was that because I was kind of just zenning zoning out right and I popped my eyes open because of that call and I am telling you it wasn't even probably four feet above my physical body laying on the dock that I was getting swiped by the eagle and the huge, gigantic eagle, I mean, it wasn't going to hurt me, obviously. Yeah. Well, who knows? But I don't think I was exactly a dinner choice. And so it had swooped right down. And had I not got the the initial wake-up call from the other bird, I wouldn't have had my eyes open in time to see the swoop. And oh, I mean, my gosh. I admit it scared the shit out of me, but it was Beautiful. the closest that I've ever been to my totem in my entire time. And I'm like, what a tag team effort. Wow. Yeah, it was fascinating. That is amazing. Which, by the way, today there were three eagles swirling over our house. <laughs> See, <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen three eagles in this area before. So. And we are very fortunate because the eagles are coming back, and yeah. we're getting very strong population of them again. So mm-hmm. I encourage people to find the actual thing that makes them the happiest. One of the things that I just want to kind of round back to with this client is. You know, we can have our totems, we can feel these things, but this collective energy is what is very difficult for a lot of people because me, let's talk about that fire element again. If I hit collective energy of fire, if that's what I am tapping into, this means that Suzanne on a daily basis might be having a normal day and I'm fine and dandy and then I can just get my butt kicked Mm -hmm. out of nowhere. And if I'm not diligent in terms of discerning, is this mine that just kicked my butt? Why am I sad? Am I scared? Am I anxious? What is it? Did I drink too much coffee? What is going on? And I'm very trained in that now, obviously, after all these years to be able to go, oh, no, this is not mine. Mm -hmm. And it is a distinct knowing after you train your own meat body. It's a distinct knowing of a removed feeling of I can't really own this. I can't really own this sad or this um anxiousness or Mm -hmm. this depression or this fear. I can't really own it. And it makes no logical sense in my day. And this is a very important thing to end this one on in terms of this is important because a couple of things, what Kim said earlier, I can work with the water. If the water is very sad, I want to move the sad out of my body and out of the water in terms of prayer. What Kim didn't necessarily finish with is why do we want to do this? We want to do this because 
If I can assist the water in taking the sad out of the water, I use my body to move it through as that empathic movement, but I do not retain it. Therefore, Kim doesn't become sad or Suzanne doesn't become mm-hmm. sad or depressed or scared or anxious or whatever the, the, the quality is. Mm-hmm. More so, however, why we want to move it out of the body and back to what we call source is because then source energy has it in the overall, what we would call Akashic library. It has the information in the uh, the actual file system of the ethers. This is hard for people that don't study this, but we'll talk more and more about this in all podcasts in terms of the full Akash is an actual like supercomputer kind of a storage center. It isn't a place, it isn't a thing, it's energy. It's, it's actually in the ethers. And this includes every single solitary thing in creational timelines, space continuums, planetary systems, species, every everything from the bug to the cosmos to and beyond. This is the file system of the all. Why do we want to send back the sad of the water? We want to send back the sad of the water so that in between lives, beings that are going to come into an incarnation have that information so that they can go, wow, that's what it feels like when the water's truly sad. This is not something that behooves the water. Therefore, maybe I come in in that incarnation with that knowledge and the passion to be the scientist that cleans up the water. Mm -hmm. This is how we evolve. Right. And I mean, go back to the consciousness of one, though, because um, when you talk about the ocean and the sadness that's in the ocean like Mm -hmm. that, I mean, that you're 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 influencing or. working with not it's the animals it's the memory of the water it's the, the people on the land it's the coral it's the all of it yeah so if you can move that through and back up to source the improvement is shared by all and think of it because if our coral reefs die our water dies if our water dies we die this is a collective mm-hmm. oneness where we're moving the information on behalf of everybody on the flip side conversely though what is so dangerous is is like this poor guy has no idea that he's empathing water. So what he does is he yearns to go somewhere. His logical brain says, no, you have to stay home and be an adult. I don't go do the water work. I am sad about the water. I don't know I'm sad about the water. So what do I do? I think I'm sad. I'm Yeah, right. So, so now what's wrong with me? I think I'm sad and I can't get out. Oh God, now my wife thinks I want to leave her. Oh, I'm still sad. Maybe I do want to leave somebody. Wait, do I really want to leave her? Or is it my job that I want to leave? Or is it my life that I want to leave? And then all the confusion starts. And trust me, we will make something make sense within our life because this is what humans do. Mm -hmm. And I will create the sad. I will create the validation of the sad. I might not even have a bad marriage, but I will think I have a bad marriage. Therefore, I start to see things that are bad in my marriage, which mm-hmm. creates a bad marriage, et cetera. I'm not saying this is what this client is doing, but I'm saying this is what the general process happens when we don't understand collectivity. And this is super important. So at this point, being a fire person, I am really diligent in, I just got my butt kicked today. Is this mine? No, this isn't mine. Is this collective? Yes, mm-hmm. it's collective. What is a collective? Oh, it feels like the planets are off. Suzanne jumps on the computer and Googles the shit out of what is going on in the universe today that might be kicking my mm-hmm. butt. And then I'm like, oh, so therefore I don't have to think I'm nuts and on and on it goes. So it keeps this vessel cleaner mm-hmm. and it does the work on behalf of the all and it gets the information back in between lives so that we can actually progress this entire civilization instead of being in the stupid incarnational loop system we've been in for eons. Oh, yeah. And I think right now it's super important to pay attention to this because Huge. Um, anxiety seems to be just right up there yep. with 
a lot of people. Yep. And I'm and, sure we'll have another podcast or two that will talk about additional programming that happens in that collective that mm-hmm. is very purposeful and agenda, you know, and I'm sure we'll have that conversation very soon because this is another really big piece that the actual collective energies are purposefully programmed mm-hmm. to keep us in these fear-based states. And so, yeah. And, and I think that this was a whole new, completely new concept for this poor guy and he was just like overwhelmed to the nines at the same time was going this all somehow makes sense i'm so excited for him <laughs> i i want to hear we want to report i wonder if he's gone to florida right yet. i want to know where he went and what the experience was yeah and so hopefully we you can report back on that i get for us, super so. excited because you know most of my my clients are women because i think that they've just been in touch with their mm-hmm. you know fields for so much longer and that's not men bashing but when i do get a guy that is like one of these that's just like the whole head just goes <laughs> You know, it makes me just, I love when they come back as a repeat client or maybe I scared them too much. And they might not no, I don't think so. I think it went well for him. Yeah, so, never know. Yeah. Anyway, on behalf of Kim and I, I hope that you got some fun out of that and um, start to understand a little bit about totems and such, and especially about collectivity. And until next time from both of us, Cosmic Cubs. Thank you so much for listening. You'll hear from us again soon. For any more information, please check out sworthly.com. Thanks.